Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What it do, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Friday, November the 22nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have another jam-packed mailbag to dive into, plus it is College Football Friday. I'm going to give you exactly what the Dolphins need at each position this offseason, dispel the rumor that Justin Herbert has upside, and why we should be talking about Jordan Love in that way. And finally, we'll talk about the value of an athletic quarterback, a good offensive line, and players to watch this weekend in college football. It's a busy one, but first, before we get into all of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In, Spotify. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. The show is at LockedOnFins, and you guys can find all the written content up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Let's jump right into this thing. That's another Miami Dolphins. So it's kind of a potluck edition here on this edition, as we usually do on the Friday Locked On Dolphins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to get to your mailbag questions here shortly, but first, some thoughts I had, and I wanted to first start with this team needs thread. I've been seeing these threads on Twitter lately, so I thought I'd throw my hat into the ring as far as what the Dolphins actually need this year, because I think there's a lot of confusion or mixed messages as far as what this team really needs the most in the 2020 offseason which serves as the biggest offseason this franchise has seen since 2013 when Jeff Ireland did what Jeff Ireland did. Let's go ahead and start here. Quarterback, obviously number one priority, but I'm not going to let desperation make me force myself into a poor decision or settle for a guy. For instance, you guys know, I don't believe in Justin Herbert. If he's the guy I have to go after, I'm going to punt on the position and come back next year or explore veteran options or maybe guys that have more developmental traits about them later on in the draft. I'm just not going to spend the first pick on a quarterback because I have a quarterback need. It has to be the right guy, the guy that I want. At running back, remake the entire room. I think Patrick Laird has a good shot here. I put Miles Gaskin on the Twitter thread, but really I don't think he's going to be around long term. And if we're going to run the 21 personnel package, they seem so intent to run then get a new fullback that can actually do it because Chandler Cox has been very bad so far through his rookie season. He can obviously develop, but I just look at a guy like Alec Ingold in Oakland and he's having success in the exact same role. Chandler Cox, it's not the coaching staff. It's that he's just not that good, okay? At receiver... I'm pretty well content here. I think you could add more speed into the slot, but I do trust the guys they have right now and Parker, Williams, Hearns, and even Jakeem Grant for that matter. I do think that Albert Wilson will get cut because of the production and cost that he is going to cost you next year with minimal production this season. So move on from him. Maybe go into the draft in rounds two, three, four, five and try to find your speed slot guy that way. And then kicking it outside to tight end, or I guess inside, I'm good with Mike Gesicki as the number one, but I do need more from the number two and definitely more of a blocker in that way to help free up Mike Gesicki. I think Durham Smythe is regressing this year. That's not a good sign for his future prospects. And if Rob Gronkowski comes back and he doesn't go to the Patriots, I would be all over that. That's like a separate topic for another day, but just something I thought about before the podcast. Gronkowski wants to come back, maybe live in South Beach. I'd give him a call too. On the offensive line, I don't think it's safe to assume that any of these five guys are back. I keep seeing Michael Dieter penciled in his left guard, and I'm all for developing him and growing him. But right now, the way he's played, he's been Dallas Thomas bad. You can't just count on that next year. 
all five of these guys could be up or their time could be up, I should say, as early as 2019. On the defensive line, I love the three-man combination of Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and John Jenkins in your bare front. And what that means is you're going to have a guy up over the nose tackle, a zero technique, and two two techniques. Guys up over the guards, and then you have linebackers come down off the edge. They're suited for that. That's fine. But the Dolphins do need to find someone that can make them more explosive out of even fronts, a four-man package where you're going to have a guy playing seven technique off the edge. And that was kind of a role they envisioned for Charles Harris. I think maybe even Tank Carradine before the season started, but they need a guy like Caleb on chase on who can come down, play that role. Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. They need somebody to give them more of an explosive pass rush and be able to play the run from that defensive end position. And I think they need more depth across the entire defensive line. Obviously at linebacker, this is the one that I think I get the most disagreement out of from most of Dolphins Twitter. I see folks saying we're good because of Baker McMillan and Beagle. That's not even close to a full enough linebacker unit for this defense. They want to run. You need way, way more rush prowess out of that group than what you currently have. The Patriots, the second and third biggest linebacker pressure rate last year came from Donta Hightower and Kyle Van Noy. This scheme gets linebackers after the quarterback. That's the key. That's where the Dolphins have to find this offseason. I think Andrew Van Ginkle gives you some of that, and he can spell Raekwon McMillan in his role as kind of a two-man-for-one-job type of a deal there with McMillan and Van Ginkle. But in general, they need way more pass rush out of the linebacker position. In the defensive secondary, look, if Nick Needham keeps doing what he's doing against every single guy he's faced the last few weeks, then he's going to be your cornerback number two, and maybe you don't have to invest more than a mid-round pick in the position or a low-level tier free agent at the position because the Dolphins do need a lot of depth at the position, no doubt about that. But the way Josh Boyer and Brian Flores in the past in New England developed cornerbacks from undrafted or late-round draft picks Do you really have to go out and spend on a Christian Fulton or a Jeff Okuda like that? I don't think you do. I think safety is where you might have to really invest because this position group needs a complete makeover. Eric Rowe can come back, I think, and play some strong safety roles. You do have to have three capable safeties in this defense. Remember, the Patriots use three safeties on 60% or more of their total snaps. So keep that in mind. Eric Rowe could be a fit. You need two guys that are fast, rangy, instinctive, love the game, love to hit, and can come down and cover in a pinch. So find that thread on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. My team need thoughts with six games left in the season. Of course, that can change as the year goes along. Let's make a hard pivot right now and talk about the quarterback position and scouting the quarterback position because I sent out some tweets on Thursday talking about Jordan Love and that Wyoming game where he is undeniably doing things on the football field in that game that most human beings, besides maybe Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson, Nobody else on the planet can do the things that he was doing in that game with his quickness, with his ability to get off the spot and throw the football with velocity and accuracy. Although he was falling away off of his back foot or going to the sideline, throwing across his body, he is a special special talent. And I know the stats aren't there. I know there's some ugly picks involved, but that's not what scouting is about. You have to look at what the guy does that makes him special. And can you really, really magnify that and cover up the weaknesses while you get the rest of it up to speed? If you couldn't tell by my recent quarterback scouting over the years, the affinity for Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray, I love athletic quarterbacks. I think they give you so much more of a threat on your offense and helps mask some of the issues you might have. And as Daniel Jeremiah on the Move the Sticks podcast says, when you have a guy that can do that, he can protect himself with his legs while he gets the mental part of the game down early on in his NFL career. It can help his advancement and keep him alive while he learns the game. 
in the cerebral aspect of the game. He also mentioned Daniel Jeremiah on the Move the Sticks podcast, which all of you should subscribe and listen to, by the way. He said the top 10 rated passers in the NFL right now, pretty much all of them besides Drew Brees, are guys that can move the sticks and pick up yards on the ground. And you might say, well, yeah, Kirk Cousins is not that guy. I'm not talking about guys that are going to be Lamar Jackson. I'm just talking about guys that can keep the ball on a zone read, not an RPO, a zone read, and go out the back door and move the chains that way pretty much like Ryan Tannehill did here in Miami. He's the baseline guy, like as low as I want to go on the athletic board because Tannehill, like Justin Herbert, who we'll talk about here more in a minute, he doesn't have the great quick twitch, but he has enough speed and straight line speed and just enough athleticism to get out on the edge and pick up yards with his legs. That's what I want in a quarterback. And one more move the sticks quote. He mentioned this. There is no such thing as a bad team with a great offensive line. Look across the division leaders in the NFL right now and second place teams. Most of those teams have good offensive lines. And that brings me into the idea about the running back, which on the same podcast, Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah's co-host mentioned that when he was with the Chiefs, they had Will Shields and Willie Rofe and didn't give a damn about who the running back was because they didn't need to because that offensive line could drive guys four and five yards off the ball. Now, that's not to say to ignore the running back position altogether. Just prioritize the offensive line first and then go into the draft in the second, third, fourth round after Zach Moss, Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, whatever you have to do, go O-line first, then running back. That means no to Jonathan Taylor with that Houston Texans pick until you get an offensive line in front of him because it just doesn't make any sense to prioritize the running back over the offensive line. All right, we're going to come back and lock it up on the other side, get into your Twitter questions, and it's College Football Friday, all of that and more. But first, before any of it, it is Thanksgiving week officially. And during Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears and Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to 250 bucks, and if you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, also congrats because my bookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come and play. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code locked on, all caps, no spaces. That's locked on, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. To jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk free bet, let me repeat that's a guaranteed deposit match and risk free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Go, Fins. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie where you play you win you get paid you guys know what time it is my favorite time of the week the friday edition recording this on thursday just before thursday night football go colts tonight Sounds like T.Y. Hilton's going to play, so maybe they have a chance. I still think they won't win the game. But before we get into the mailbag, it's time to lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. And the lock of the week this week, as I think I am, what, 1-8 and eight now, 2-8? and eight? I don't even know anymore. I lost track. was trying to tank the thing away. Then I won it on the Fitzpatrick turnover thing. But the lock of the week this week, the Browns struggle with interior pressure. Baker Mayfield struggles with that interior pressure. And they're having issues blocking anybody up front. And so the lock of the week this week is that Christian Wilkins, having a good year so far, gets his second sack of the season on the Browns. And 
Baker Mayfield, the lock of the week, Christian Wilkins, sack number two on Baker Mayfield. Let's go ahead and jump now into your questions on the Twitter mailbag. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter on Thursday. You respond. I get to as many of these as I possibly can. I'd love to do something where I get to the rest of the questions in maybe a write-up mailbag. Started kicking that idea around this week, and we'll see if I actually follow through on it. But I do appreciate you guys putting all these questions out there for me. And the first one this week comes in from Tone Toto. He's at Tone Lantern on Twitter. Have you heard anything about Miami coaching the South in the Senior Bowl? Congrats on the baby and love the show as it makes the morning drive fly by. Well, I appreciate that, Tone. As far as Miami coaching the Senior Bowl, I have not yet heard anything, but it usually is a couple of teams that pick in the top five of the draft. And given the Dolphins' nature for being around guys and trying to get an idea for how they click and how they work, I do think they'll be one of the teams that wants to be involved in that. In fact, I'm not sure that any team doesn't want to be involved in that, but if Miami's at the top of the draft board, you have to think they'll be one of the first they call to ask about that. And I think Brian Flores and his staff would jump all over that idea. I haven't heard yet officially, but I would assume that they'll be one of the three or four favorites to do that. Next question from Tana Stan for Life. He's at TwistedJ931. When you interviewed Nick Needham's mom, did you have a hunch he might be a favorite of this coaching staff? That was one of the moments that kind of pushed me over the edge on him because I had spoken about Needham's tape and the things that I continue to harp on that Brian Flores loves, I asked a couple Patriots beat writers what it is that he likes in certain positions, and they told me at cornerback, first and foremost, you got to tackle. Everybody on this defense has to tackle. And number two, the way you track and play the football. And number three, how good are your feet? The entire game starts with your foundation, right? Your recovery speed, the initial jam at the line of scrimmage. How can you mirror guys off their release point, off the line of scrimmage? And those were areas that Needham excelled at in college. And then talking to his mother, and of course, that's the most biased person you can talk to, but she did talk about his work ethic and how pretty much his entire football life has been one of overcoming the odds, obviously going from UTEP to a starting cornerback, shutting down guys in the NFL three or four straight weeks. You have a bit of a dog inside of you that got you to that point and that was one of the things that she said that really resonated with me in that conversation and after this last game by the way you guys are going to love this after they got beat on that John Brown touchdown up the sideline she said that after that game the first thing he wanted to talk about was how mad he was that they were able to get that pass behind him on that cover two look and we can talk about who was responsible of course he should never allow an outside release and cover two which he did but I still think he had some things right on that play and some things wrong but he told his mom how pissed off he was that that play got by him because the rest of the game and the last month he's been tremendous it just tells you that he has that fight and that dog in him and absolutely that's going to be something that Brian Flores and Josh Boyer and company all very much love about him next question from Evan F at Mr. Underscore Game of Fame would passing on Tua be the most Dolphins move ever if so where would you rank that among some of those moves I think it lines up perfectly with Drew Brees because The Dolphins are in a position, even in the top five of the draft, I know folks are going to say if you miss that pick, it sets you back 23 years or 37 years or whatever the arbitrary number is. But the truth is, the way rookie contracts are structured and with all the massive amount of picks the Dolphins have, if they miss on any pick, it's not going to kill them, even if it's the first pick. Because what if the next two picks in the first round are all pros? Then who gives a damn if you miss on that first one? Obviously, you're not going to go out there and just waste the pick just to waste it, but you're taking a very, very high reward on a guy who, yeah, he does have some risk involved, but the biggest risk in the draft is drafting bad football players. It happens every single year, 
I know that Tua Tungavailoa, when healthy, is an elite football player, so I would bet on the medical and his drive and determination to get back and the advancements in current and uh, our modern technology and modern surgeries, I should say. I trust all that stuff for Tua to get back and get that elite trait back that he had, and everything he does in this game is super, super refined. So I think it would be a terrible decision that aligns pretty much perfectly with the Drew Brees decision to go against his doctor's orders or the Dolphins' doctor's orders, who said, that he had a 25% chance to return to playing football and Drew Brees continued to plead with Miami saying, trust me, bet on me. Tua's going to do the same thing and I'm betting on that kid. So I think it would be a major, major mistake to pass on him if he's available with that first pick. Next one here from Anonymous Dolphin. He's at Anonymous Dolphin. Makes it very easy. Outside of quarterback and elite pass rusher, what position is the most important for the Finns to address early in this draft? Then, what do you think Greer will do if you think that your beliefs vary from Chris Greer? Well, first... It's a collaboration. I want to get that point across very clearly. Chris Greer is not the only person involved in the decision-making process. There's going to be about 30 guys that have a say in how the Dolphins make these drafts. And while the regional scouts really do more on the undrafted side and getting the guys late in the draft and kind of getting their gems that way as the draft kind of belongs to the decision makers up top, like Chris Greer, like Reggie McKenzie, like Marvin Allen. But if you think that Chris Greer bought those two guys in to not help him make decisions, then you're doing it wrong because they came here for a reason. They're going to have an input on what Miami does. And on top of that, Chris Greer has said himself that he wants to shop for the players that Brian Flores likes. So Flores and his coaching staff will have a say. And then, of course, there's Steven Ross, who has the ultimate say. And he hit the Lamar Jackson pick, man. Like, he has that in his back pocket. If he wants to pull that out and use it on the quarterback this year, he can certainly do it. So there's going to be many, many hands in the pot of the Dolphins draft picks this year. As far as the important positions after quarterback, and I would actually take edge rusher off that. Yes, Miami does need more pass rush, but it comes more from the linebacker position like we talked about in the first segment. And I, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Chase Young is not a great fit in this scheme, in this style. Yes, you can adapt your style to fit him, but I trust the structure and scheme of the defense with Brian Flores and what he's done for the last 20 years in New England, more so than just one player in Chase Young, even though he is generational in the way he looks. I think AJ Epinesa has a better fit for what this team does and sets up the linebackers more to make more plays both in the run and passing game. So besides that, after quarterback, look, I think I've convinced myself that the offensive line's the way to go because you mentioned it in that first segment, or I did rather, that you can build a good offensive line and let the pieces fall where they may be on that, and you can find talent in rounds two, three, and four at the skill spots. Of course, if you have your quarterback, go after guys like Tyler Johnson and Tylen Wallace, and you know, in the NFL, for instance, Juju Smith-Schuster or Deontay Johnson for the Steelers, all these guys that come off the board after the first round receivers and running backs really grow on trees. So solidify that front of your offensive line and then just go after the rest of the roster with kind of lesser resources and build it that way. Plus, on top of that, I trust this staff to develop guys in those positions like wide receiver because I've seen Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Alan Hearns, Mike Gesicki. All these guys have been schemed open all year long. The biggest issue this team has had is on that offensive line and giving Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen protection. But guys are open all day long in the scheme, so I trust them there. On the defensive side, their proclivity for 
developing undrafted free agents or sixth or seventh round draft picks in the secondary, that track record has to say something. So I think maybe you can kind of bypass that a little bit and put more of your resources back in to rush linebacker, to defensive tackle, to defensive end and positions up in the front seven because you're so capable of developing across the rest of the roster. So I will say quarterback number one, offensive line number two, front seven number three, even though I think the secondary is probably the biggest need on this team, I just trust them to round that out with guys that maybe don't have the marquee names. Okay, we're going to come back on the other side here of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on. That's all one word, awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. Every time this song comes on in the car, my wife and I alternate times to try to match the raps of that particular part of that song because I have no idea what the hell he says, but it's always a good time for us. And speaking of Mrs. Wingfield, we are going to be in Miami for the week of Christmas, and I wanted to ask you guys for some help, those of you that are local in South Florida. Now, we are not a big production date type of a couple. Like, she doesn't need a $200 plate in front of her, but I do want to find somewhere nice that's affordable. We don't care about drinking because she's pregnant and I don't really drink all that much anyway. So a nice, decent, affordable meal at a nice location, preferably with a view of the beach or the ocean. Can you guys help me out here? A good, nice, romantic dinner, but not a crazy over the top and probably keep me out of Miami because Miami is insane. (laughs) I don't know how you guys go into Miami. I usually stay in Fort Lauderdale up in that territory of South Florida, but away from Miami, on the beach, probably Fort Lauderdale, not crazy expensive and not really too worried about the alcohol and spirits they have there. Help me out on Twitter. Send me your recommendations. And let's go ahead and jump back into the Twitter mailbag. And now I'm looking at the time on this show and we are certainly going to go over the time limit, but you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah, I'm not leaving. We're going to do some more of these mailbag questions. And with that, let's jump right back in. This next one comes in here from Red Runner. He's at Nick Apsey. I hope I got that right. Given the poor performance of Balage and seeing how they keep trying to use him, do you see a scenario where he could be back with the team next season? Man, I hope not. Love the show. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. As far as Balage's return to the roster, I think his best case scenario would be as like a that Booby Williams role that he had for the Buffalo Bills a few years back, where he was that big bowling ball goal line type of a back. And Balage does offer some value in that way, as well as in the Wildcat. So I think that you have some red zone options and maybe short yardage options there. Although I'd be weary of using him in short yardage when you're not down in the red zone because I want a back that can catch the football in those situations and we know how that goes. So I think there's a chance he comes back because he's cheap. He's already here. He knows the system, but the performance, like you mentioned, has been so dreadful. If he's anything more than running back number three next year, you've got problems. Next one here from Kirk Marks. He's at Coco Marks Kirk. Does Tua's injury change your mind about taking him at all costs? We kind of covered it already. Not really, just because I do believe he's going to be fine. 
as that's what the doctors who have performed the surgery said about Tua in a full recovery. I just think the way this guy is wired, you've heard the way Lane Kiffin talks about him, the way he can galvanize a locker room, and every single person that's ever been around the kid loves him. I think he would be so invaluable to this team for the offensive system. I've gone on and on about this. The injury history, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't scare me. It does. It's, It's terrifying, but there are plenty of guys that have been injured in college and came into the league and then been healthy. For instance, Josh Rosen had two concussions and a shoulder injury. He hasn't gotten hurt in the pros. You had Justin Herbert got hurt three times in one year, and we don't talk about that with him. So I think that kids can get injured more than full-grown adults do. Two is still just 21 years old, developing. We'll see if he is going to be more durable going forward. But again, those ankle injuries he had, those are just ankle sprains, man. Like that happens to people. Happened to me playing basketball pretty much every single year. He had the surgery so he could come back sooner and play the games in a couple of weeks. Those don't concern me. The hip injury is the terrifying one. But if he is recovered from that, then I'm not going to balk at Tua Tungavailoa because the only reason he might be available is because of that injury. This one here from Hans Vandermark. I'm sorry, man. Ultimate underscore HHV. I've got no clue, dude. I absolutely no clue. I'm just going to butcher it. So the question is, if Cam isn't available for trade and the team was inclined to draft Jordan Love, what else do you do to address the quarterback position? That's a great question because you have Ryan Fitzpatrick here under contract next year. He's certainly an option. I think you have to go the veteran route. And do you trust Ryan Fitzpatrick to get you 10, 12, maybe even 16 games next year. I love having his presence in the building in the quarterback room, but I don't know if you can trust him in what to me is a very crucial building year next season for this organization and for this regime. So I do think the smart money would be on Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think they're going to go out and spend crazy money on Teddy Bridgewater. They kind of showed you how they feel about his value this offseason and what they offered him. So probably Fitzpatrick and Jordan Love, do you go back and kick the tires on Ryan Tannehill. You can't do that because of the fit or because of the history here, but he would be a good veteran option at the spot to kind of be your bridge quarterback. And I'll go ahead and throw a bonus in for you guys right here. Josh Rosen's not going to be back next year. Just trust me on that, okay? He's he's not going to be back next year. Okay, let's go ahead and use this last question here as a segue into our final segments. And the question comes in from Surface Busters at Surface Busters on Twitter. Do you think the Dolphins are really considering Justin Herbert as a quarterback option? I'll tell you this off the top. We know that Mike Tannenbaum loved Justin Herbert. That that was all he wanted to do was talk about Justin Herbert. He's showing us that on ESPN. And certainly there are people in the Dolphins organization that feel the same way because they've been here under Mike Tannenbaum as well. I know that most scouts do love the ball of clay. That is Justin Herbert. So I do think it is in the realm of possibilities. And that does provide the segue into my next segment that people talk about Justin Herbert's upside, but I would argue that he's already maxed out his upside because he is a four-year player who hasn't shown barely any progression in his game as a as a quarterback and not as a football player but as a quarterback a guy that can stand back there and get you through his progression reads there's a tweet that I've tweeted out several times from Ben Solak of the Draft Network where he shows you that Herbert has the perfect play call the perfect route structure within a certain play against the Washington Huskies last season in 2018 and Herbert it's all right there in front of him and he does not pull the trigger that's his problem he's too gun shy he's too conservative he doesn't see things open up before he lets it rip and that's 
that's something that has not improved in four years in college. So why do I think at age 23, when most of these guys mature and develop at that age, where a lot of the developing has already been done, why do I think he's all of a sudden going to take that into the next level and get better at it? It's like asking Ryan Tannehill to get better at his read and his anticipatory throws. We showed it all throughout 2018. Tannehill still does not anticipate throws. At a certain point, you have to believe people and they show you who they really are. That's true in life and that's true at quarterback. And Justin Herbert for four years has been the same guy and I don't trust him at all to take the next step. To me, his upside is a complete fallacy and that's the opposite of what I think he's going to be at the next level. I think he's showing you right now exactly who he is, slow to get off the spot, struggles against pressure, has no big time moments in big time games, has poor situational awareness, Fairness throws the ball out of the back of the end zone on the final play against Auburn. You just can't do those things, and I don't think he's wired the right way. We've heard stories about him coming out, or, or his teammates talking about him, or previous coaches saying that he's not much of a leader. He's kind of a fallen line type of a guy. You go back to Brian Flores and Chris Greer's comments about quarterbacks at the Combine back in February when they first hired Brian Flores. They both, to a T, to a man, mentioned several times that how a guy is wired and how he interacts with his teammates, how he carries himself in the locker room is one of the most paramount traits. And what we've heard so far about Justin Herbert is that he's not going to excel in that area of the game. I think when they get to these interviews in Indianapolis at the Combine, at the Senior Bowl, they'll find that out. And my hope there is that that scares them away from the idea of Justin Herbert. I have a friend who's a diehard Oregon Ducks fan. He hates the Cougs so much for some reason. I don't even know why. It's not our biggest rival, but he always texts me trash talk. But I've told him for years how much I dislike the game of Justin Herbert. And he said this year that he's tired of it too, because to this point of his career, it's been all hype about Justin Herbert and he's never taken the next step. He even acknowledges that Oregon has the best offensive line in the country, some loaded tailbacks back there. And he just relies on the screen game and the running game and makes plays off of that. I haven't seen Justin Herbert elevate the play of his teammates. And again, I just don't think that's something you learn all of a sudden once you get to age 23-24. So hopefully the Bengals just take him first overall and give the Dolphins the option between Tua and Joe Burrow, who are the best two quarterbacks in this class right now. Okay, let's go ahead and roll into College Football Friday here and talk about the weekend viewing guide. You guys know about Colts and Texans last night. But on Saturday, Georgia's up first with Jake Fromm. They play Texas A&M at 3.30 Eastern on CBS. Joe Burrow plays Arkansas. What a disaster game that's going to be, like 65-7 to 7 probably. That game's at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Justin Herbert has a good road test at Arizona State. Herm Edwards has a good coach defense, 7.30 on ABC. Wouldn't be a signature win, but I want to see how he performs in that one. And Jordan Love, I think, has the biggest test of the weekend. He is home for Boise State, the Longtime dominant team in the Mountain West. That game's at 10.30 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. And as always, I'll have you guys covered on the day's action on LockedOnDolphins.com. Sunday, every game is in the early window, the 1 o'clock Eastern. Dolphins at Browns, Steelers at Bengals, a big one there. Lions at Washington, Jets at Raiders, and Giants at Bears. So go Giants, go Jets, eh, gross. Go Washington and go Bengals in all of those games. And before I give you six more losing picks on the weekend, let's talk about some games I'm watching outside of the games we bet on. And Boston College Notre Dame is one of my favorites of the weekend. Kareem Khalid is a defensive edge player for Notre Dame that I think fits this scheme very well. I want to watch him on that side, and I want to watch A.J. Dillon for Boston College, a big-time producer in college, a power bull running back that just is a bull in a china shop with good enough moves in the open field to make guys miss. I want to see how he does against a very good Notre Dame 
Dame defense. Minnesota and Northwestern, I want to watch this go for defense, put the clamps on a bad Northwestern offense. Kamal Martin, Antoine Winfield, those guys ball every game. And Tyler Johnson, the receiver, I think is a great slot option for Miami in the middle of this draft. He got invited to the Shrine game. What a slight that was. He'll get promoted up to the Senior Bowl before that game gets here. Also going to be keeping an eye on Penn State, Ohio State, obviously a great game for college football, but also a great test for a lot of guys. I want to see how J.K. Dobbins does, as well as Yatur Gross Matos against Ohio State's freaky freshman left tackle. And then, of course, all those Buckeye defenders, Jeff Okuda, uh, the defensive tackle Hamilton, Sean Wade in the secondary, and of course, Chase Young. That's a big time matchup. And then later on, Utah's playing Arizona. Get a good look at Zach Moss, because I think he's going to be very high on the Dolphins draft board. So will safety Julian Blackman and linebacker Francis Bernard. Those are the games I'm watching as well as the quarterbacks I mentioned. And now the six picks for the weekend. We have been struggling as of late 35 and 40. It's just not good enough. So I'm going back to what has worked in this one and going more towards totals. I have three totals and three picks in this week's six pack. And we start with Oklahoma State and West Virginia over 55 points. I guess give me the pokes scoring a bunch of points on the Mountaineer defense. Minnesota and Northwestern. Northwestern's not going to score a point in that game. Give me under 40 in that one. USC is minus 13 and a half against UCLA, the rivalry. Give me SC giving the points, I should say, 13 and a half points for them. Texas and Baylor over 59 and a half, a Big 12 shootout on the way there. The Oregon game, I talked about that with Justin Herbert. Arizona State plus 14.5 over the Ducks. And Boise is giving 7.5 to Utah State. Give me the Broncos in that one. Those are your six picks. And that is your Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Went long, but who cares? I'm not leaving. And a quick programming note, I'm going to be off next Friday. That's Black Friday. We'll have the the Thursday preview podcast for you guys on Thanksgiving. And I don't expect you to listen to it then. So maybe you can get to it on Friday. But I'm taking Friday off. Going to get nice and loose on Thanksgiving and watch some football and eat some good food. But as for today's show, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday for a recap edition for Dolphins Browns here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.